It's the GD Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. Welcome to the GD Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Boy, are you going to like this show today. It's really fun. We've got a couple of guys in the studio, and we're talking about actually two different subjects, but one's related to the other. You'll see how it works. Dan Protest is here. He's the producer and writer of Urban Nature, which you can find on the PBS affiliate in Chicago, WTTW. And you go to WTTW.com slash Urban Nature. And it's a series of programs about nature in urban areas. One of his guests on one of those episodes is a guy named Dave Odd. Yes, O-D-D is his last name. It's not his real name but I'm not going to bust him. Uh, And uh, he is with an outfit called eattheneighborhood.com. He's also part of uh, something called Odd Produce. He's a forager. You've probably heard of this, you know, goes into the alley, goes into the backyard, goes into the park, picks stuff and eats it. Of course, it's got to be the right stuff, but there's a lot of edibles. And he's out grown there. a business around it. Yes, he has. He's making money off of this. So we're going to get to them in just a second. However, this podcast is brought to you by the Envy Heater. The Envy Heater is a super efficient wall-mounted electric panel heater that looks great in any setting and heats up a room in just minutes. Costing only four cents per hour to run, the Envy Heater is a great product for people looking to reduce their carbon footprint and save money. Now, safety is a priority. They're great for homes with small children and pets because of their cool-to-the-touch design. And it's easy to install Envy. You can do it yourself in just a few minutes. Have more heat when and where you want it, and spend less money with the Envy Heater. Find out more about the Envy Heater at eheat.com. All right, everybody sing. <laughs> Crossing the highway late last night. He should have looked left and he should have looked right. He didn't see the station wagon car. The skunk got squashed. And there, there you are. are. You got your dead skunk in the middle of the road. Dead skunk in the middle of the road. Dead mm. skunk in the middle of the road. And what's he doing? Stinking the high Okay, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Because it seems apropos... <laughs> Uh, because we have uh, Dan Protest back in studio here. was here a couple of years ago to talk about his program, Urban Nature. Uh, Dan? Hey. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Dan uh, has uh, done this wonderful series. It is uh, hosted by Marcus Cronforst. He's an evolutionary biologist. He is like one of the world's foremost experts on butterflies. Yeah. yeah. And and you guys do. You've done several... Uh, episodes about butterflies, which yep. is cool. I was watching the one uh, just the other day uh, about climate change and mm-hmm. cabbage butterflies. Yeah. And, and you'd think cabbage butterflies, you know, you see them all the time, the white butterflies in your yard. Mm-hmm. And when I see them, I'm going, uh-oh, what plant are they destroying here? Destroying, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you looked at it and said, 
you know, they might be a bellwether uh, as uh, as temperatures go up and yeah. carbon dioxide levels increase. Yeah. So these are these little white butterflies. I have to admit, I actually thought that they were moths. Uh, so this was really? news to me that they were actually butterflies. You see them all over the place. That's why but... you got a PhD there uh, on the show. Yeah, for, right. For exactly. To, to teach me um, basic uh, biology 101. So he, Marcus usually studies exotic butterflies <laughs> from South America and Asia. But, you know, noticed these in his backyard in Hyde Park and said, you know, could these be a bellwether for climate change effects to come? And so the way he was able to figure out whether or not they're going to do well or, or poorly in the face of climate change was he used these environmental chambers. They kind of look like refrigerators, mm-hmm. but he can he can raise them in these refri- refrigerators um, and he can turn up the temperature. He can turn up the CO2. And um, he did that uh, side by side with the cabbage white butterflies in their host plant, which is a, you know, they're in the cabbage and mustard family. family, Yeah, right. And um, the, the, the butterflies need those plants. That is the only plant they can lay their eggs on. And what he found was that the butterflies just by themselves do okay. Uh, under high temperature mm-hmm. and high CO2, but the plants do not do well. They start to die very quickly, and the butterfly um, can't survive without the plant, and so then the butterfly dies. And this is what we're likely to yeah. expect here. And so, you know, we should be concerned about those pesky butterflies, but it's also just an indication that other plant anim- uh, animal interactions are going to go haywire as the temperatures rise. Well, since yeah. we're talking about plants. Uh-oh. Which, and which and my... then the other, the disembodied voice you're hearing is a guy named Dave Odd, and we'll get to him in a second. Dave? Uh, I was going to ask. Um, so there are tons of plants in the Brassica family, the, the yeah. mustard family. Um, are those butterflies specialized to only specific species, or can they have uh, any species of brassica in that plant fa- it, they in the family, only right. lay their eggs on plants within that family. So there are a bunch. It's cabbage, uh, mustard. There's tons of them that are there. There's tons of wild bra- Like pretty much, there is no toxic species that I'm aware of in that family. So literally, any brassica family plant, any mustard family plant that you find in the wild, yeah. is in fact, edible, not in yeah. one way or another. Um, some of them may uh, may cause digestive upset. There's some that are like less edible than others, um, and there are some that like used to be considered edible that are you know you should probably avoid it. Um, but there's none that are toxic. There's none that are poisonous. Not toxic to us, yes. but toxic to many butterfly species. And this is something that we learned that these two species have been the cabbage white butterfly and these cabbage family plants mm-hmm. have been evolving side by side since dinosaurs roamed the earth. But it, but it's like monarchs and milkweed. Exactly. Except that yeah. with with monarchs it's it's much more specific with with the the cabbage butterflies any plant in the brassica family, right? Yeah. Uh, is a host. Right. And mm-hmm. so but they and there are many of them, but they've been evolving side by side for so long yes. that it just takes a just tiny change in environmental conditions. Right. To throw off that interaction that's been going on for millions of years between the butterfly and the plant. One of the most fascinating uh, relationships in nature that I find when I'm out foraging is um, the yucca plant. You know, the the plant. You know, everyone's got a yucca seen mm-hmm. yucca plants before they got yucca these or yucca. Yucca. Some people well, call them yucca. I just want to make sure we, we two, know there's, there's a eucalyptus. And eucalyptus. There's, there's and actually yucca. two different plants. Okay. So there's yucca with one C and there's yucca with two C's. So the yucca with two C's is the food plant, I think, and the yucca with one C 
is an ornamental plant that cannot be eaten. But which will kill you on sight. Uh, eh, it won't kill you. But, <laughs> um, but they all have edible flowers. Mm-hmm. So they have these big, waxy, um, kind of bell-shaped white flowers. White flowers. Yeah. And if you go up to one of those plants when they're blooming and just give the stalk a little shake, you'll see these little white moths fly out of it. Oh. And it's called the yucca moth. And the yucca moth's only source of food is the yucca plant. And the mm. yucca plant's only method of reproducing and being pollinated is through the yucca moth. So these, these that moth and that plant cannot exist without one another. It's so you can imagine how mm-hmm. easy it, it is for either of those species to die off yeah. should something go awry in the ecosystem. Correct. Uh-huh. I'm, I just typed in yucca versus yucca. Um, and then there's yucca, pronounced yucca, the root of the cassava plant which is known botanically as Manihot esculenta, okay, is a nutty-flavored starch tuber native to South America. is also found in Asia and parts of Africa, together, together with other tropical root vegetables like yam, taro, and most notably the potato. It is an indispensable part of the carbohydrate diet for many. Yeah, you can make mm-hmm. them into French fries, which are delicious. <laughs> All right, kind, well, kind not... of terrible French fries, but French fries nonetheless. Oh, right. I disagree. <laughs> I love them with some butter. They're good. Well, see, now I'm I'm tempted to try them just just to see how bad they really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, that other guy who jumped in. Okay, and we're going to get back to to urban nature and all the mm-hmm. different kinds of of episodes that you've put together, and there are a lot. And they and basically, it's about Going into big cities, and you've got Chicago, Austin, Miami, New York, San Francisco. What am I missing? That's uh, it. That's it. That's it. it. All right. And uh, you, uh, you, you look at the nature in those cities because it's all around us, and we often miss it. And one of the episodes you did for the new season, because this is season two, and folks, it's not, you don't go on TV to watch it, you go online to watch it, and you can do it at your leisure, and they're really quite bite-sized episodes, quite manageable. Yeah, five to ten minutes, WTTW.com slash Urban Nature. Yeah. Now, okay, I have to ask you, uh, because this is always confusing, because people will say to you, uh, whether it's NPR or PBS, they'll say, oh, is the show on PBS uh, and you'll say, well, it's on WTTW. Is that the same as PBS in this case, uh, or is it WTTW? Well, we are the local PBS station, but it ap- these appear on the WTTW website and on social media, and perhaps at some point down the line they'll be on television as well. And, and you th- can go to PBS.org and look up Urban Nature there as well for our listeners elsewhere in the country. But basically, just yeah. search Urban Nature. Yeah, WTTW. WTTW, and you can mm-hmm. watch it anywhere in the country, anytime, anywhere in the world, anytime. All right, we're going to get back to that because you got a lot of interesting stories, but this mm-hmm. guy that <laughs> injected himself into mm-hmm. the conversation before I even gave him permission, <laughs> uh, but that's okay. His name is Dave Odd, and, and Dave, I was telling you in the parking lot here that a friend of mine had sent me a text Here's the text. Oh. And he sent me photos. And he said, you got, okay, and that's Dave Dinelli, and he's the superintendent. Dan Dinelli. I'm sorry, Dan Dinelli. I keep, you know. I'm Dave. You're Dave. He's Dan. I did that to to a guest the other week whose name was Dan, and I call him Dave. I don't know what I'm doing here. This is not good. A radio host is supposed to remember names. But it's why I will never be a politician, because... I, I don't know who you are, and then I can't uh, I can't move forward. So anyway, Dan Donnelly sends me this text and says, "You got to have this guy Dave Odd on your show." 
and it's and it's a photo of odd produce, and I don't know. He's it's a label. That's my business card. Oh, so he that was the business card. Yeah. So he got a business card for you. You don't. And he <laughs> said uh, he mentioned mushrooms, uh, and that's you forge mushrooms. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things yeah. that you do. But you also forage, and foraging has become a big deal um, in the last I don't know decade. Uh, you got books. I, I, I Well, if you want to get real tech, yeah, right. it's, it's kind of been a thing for thousands and thousands yeah. of well, years. Yeah, I, I know that. There's a lot of books coming out there was about a, it lately. There was a time where grocery stores didn't exist. Yeah. yeah I what? you got to be kidding me. Yeah. No, they people went into alleys and they foraged uh, hostas uh, yeah. in the alleys. No, the point I'm making is that, uh, yeah, it's trendy. Let me put it that way. Foraging yeah. is trendy. So now you have folks writing books about foraging. And then you have the masses of humanity saying, ew, I would never do right. that. And people like you who are making a living at it and selling it to shishi restaurants and saying, um, I'm making a good living at this. So, uh, or at least a decent, you're making some kind of living at it, aren't you, Dave? I'm doing all right. I'm I'm doing better than I ever have in my life. But then again, I was a comedian for 15 years, so... <laughs> You know, I don't have much to compare it to. <laughs> um, well, but there you are out foraging. So tell me a little bit about you were a comedian. Did it turn into foraging? Have you you've always so, always been interested in nature from what I understand? Right. So I was I was trying to keep up with the comments. On, so on the Facebook page, um, they posted the, the video and I had to field I basically had to defend myself to a bunch of people because really? the people who go you no well it's there's there's this whole thing with foraging where uh, you get two you get two reactions you get the you and like the basically the ignorance of I don't like I don't know what where this come this mm-hmm. is come, they they imagine you like picking it out of like you know a pea soaked alley somewhere mm-hmm. um, and. So there's that end of it, and then there's the kind of environmentalist end of it of people that are very concerned about nature that mm-hmm. are are concerned that you're going in and you're just like tearing out whole – you're just running through the woods, just ripping up clumps of everything and throwing it in a garbage bag. You're going to make shoulder. ramps go extinct. <laughs> yeah, um, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, people think because I forage for profit that I must be, you know uh, – unscrupulous and I must be, hmm. you know, just going out there and poaching everything. And that's not really the case. And and the the way I like to put it is this, it doesn't matter how organic or GMO free or gluten free that your fancy food that you're getting from Whole Foods or the farmers market is. All of that stuff had to be grown somewhere Probably that was cleared woodlands or prairie or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. you have to bulldoze land to grow food. So the the thing is – Or till it, plow it. Right. But the the point is that you're clearing out wilderness to grow edible food for humans. Mm -hmm. Or you can just go into the wilderness and pick some of the things that grow there. So really what's more sustainable if you really think about it? Um. And that's that's kind of my my logic going into it. And and on top of that, outside of ramps, um, which is something that I do feel bad about harvesting because the the chefs want the whole plant, so they mm-hmm. want you to uh, they yeah, want the whole plant. You would prefer to keep I would roots prefer, in the ground, right? I would prefer yeah. to just keep the leaves. You know, just take the leaves yeah, or whatever. Harvest the leaves and um, not the bulb. The the thing the thing is that ramps are 
I, I believe at some point there's going to be some sort of legislation that protects them um, because in Canada it's illegal to pick ramps because people were wiping them out. Um, and throughout, as this trend has grown over the last 10 years or so of foraging, ramps have become a much more popular ingredient. And there are some, um, there are some farms and stuff that just won't pick them anymore because mm-hmm. they depleted the populations that they were picking from. Um, I personally have been picking from the same lot, uh, 20 acre lot, friends lot that I found, um, over in Indiana, um, about eight years ago. And she didn't want them. She, she didn't want them. No, she was like, she was like, our lawn smells funny when we mow it. Um, (laughs) um, but when we first approached her and like, Hey, can we pick some of these ramps? She's like, what are those? And, and the thing is that, um, this, this place had never been picked before. Nobody had ever touched it. Uh, so you could like walking through the woods, you were just, you were stepping on more ramps than you were picking, mm-hmm. no matter how many you picked. So the thing is that when a population gets that dense, it starts to carpet the entire You're doing forest. it a favor. Not even or so Or even the, the, the it, ecosystem. It, I, I put it, to, put it like this. Um, so imagine every two square feet, three square feet, there's just a hundred ramps yeah. right there, you know, a thousand ramps. Um, so you're just picking one cluster in each little grid and then moving on to the next grid and picking one or two clusters from there. And essentially it's like pruning a tree. You're just cutting off the, you know, the, the, the branches that are weak. And what happens is you're allowing new growth to flourish, mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. plants to come up. And that how, do, how do ramps, uh, uh, recreate, uh, procreate, uh, how do they spread? So... They have a, they have a, they are an allium, they're an onion. So mm-hmm. if you've ever had allium in your yard, whether it be the, the mm-hmm. ornamental garlic or the, you know, the, the big globe flower onions, um, they'll shoot up this, this um, uh, flower stalk that has this little explosion of flowers on it. That looks like a little firework. And each one of those flowers will turn into a seed. And then that seed, if it even gets to drop to the ground, mm-hmm. Has to be in the ground for th- yeah, two or three, three years, years, I think, before the sh- the the shell breaks down enough for it to grow. All right, that music music means we've got a break. We'll be right back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Blecky. Hey, want to get more active to help the environment, fight climate change, advocate for wildlife, reduce waste, and change policy? Postcard campaigns are a great way to help, and Power Post makes it super easy. PowerPost is the first eco-advocacy subscription box, giving busy environmentalists like you a simple way to make your voice heard. Every month, you'll receive postcards, stamps, writing materials, addresses, and information about a specific environmental issue, including research, talking points, links, and other ways to help. All you need to do is grab friends, family, or your favorite cup of coffee or tea and help amplify the voice for our environment. But wait! It gets better. In each box, PowerPost includes a few green goodies to introduce healthy products for better green living. No luxe beauty supplies, no trendy jewelry, just everyday items that you can easily incorporate into your life to reduce waste and pollution. Plus, surprises are fun. Amplify your activism. Sign up today at PowerPostBox.com and use the coupon code GREENDIVAS for 10% off your first order. Power Post. Words have power. This is the Techno Elvis. 
Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're talking urban nature today, and that involves foraging in cities, in your backyard, in your alley. Anyway, to get back to the ramps, yes. they are. take a very long time from seed to, to growth. And then it takes another couple of years before they become mature enough to right. reproduce. So it is that's why they can't cultivate them. And that's why it's such a prized thing mm-hmm. with the chefs and stuff is because it's truly yeah. a wild, and wild food. And it's part of our heritage here in Chicago. Yeah. Ch- is... Chicaqua is a Native American word that means stinking onion or smelly onion or skunk. There's a variety. Yeah. Of, there's yeah. kind of debate about it. But Native Americans would name areas that they frequented after the plants that grew there. And if you've ever walked through some old growth woods in Chicago, you step on a bunch of onions and you can smell it there coming out, mm-hmm. out of the grass. So... A lot of people say Chicago means ramp, but I think it's more of a general term for all the different varieties of yeah, onions. Yeah, all the grow. aliens. And... Um, but uh, but yeah, that's where supposedly Chicago was derived from. Let's get the uh, the word out uh, that you said over on Facebook during the break, which is uh, somebody wrote. Who is it? Candace. Candace. Uh, <clears throat> Candace reminded us. Yes, that... you cannot pick anything in any Cook County Forest Preserves especially. Um, I believe the Collar counties also have similar regulations. If you're going to, you cannot go to most natural areas and forage. Um, state to state, um, state parks, national parks all have different regulations. Mm-hmm. Some of them allow mushroom picking. Some of them allow fruit picking. Some of them will say nothing at all. Um, so you have to check your state, county, local even like, you know, down to the park. Like yeah. you have to check your local regulations to see what is allowed. And if it's private land, you would want to check with the land. Obviously. Yeah. And that happens a lot, a lot of places uh, in the country and certainly national parks and national forests and, and a lot, of, as you say, a lot of county and state uh, areas. You've got to be very careful. Uh, the the I would say the rule of thumb, don't. Just, right. uh, just don't pick mm-hmm. the, yeah. uh, in places like that. I was in the Pacific Northwest, 25 years ago, maybe even 30 years ago, I was in uh, the rainforest there, and it was a, a, a national forest, the uh, Quinault uh, nat- natural area, and um, going in to take a hike in in a small, like an hour trail there, and these folks were coming into the parking lot with a sword fern they had just dug up, uh, and it was, you know, six, five, six feet wide, and they're like... Taking it to the car. We're going to, oh, look what we got. We're taking this home. You know, and had I known then what I know now about that, I mean, I was appalled as it was, but yeah. I, I was just, my jaw was on the ground. I, I think I would have tackled them and, and beaten them to a pulp. Uh, if if I saw it today, but people do that kind of thing. It's yeah. Crazy. yeah, no, I know most foragers have a run. I, I know because I've done these stories mm-hmm. before, most foragers have had a run-in with the law at some point or another. I, I don't I know. Have, if, have you been in handcuffs, Dave? Uh, I have, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it has um, nothing to do with foraging? Uh, well, it originally started because of foraging, um, but uh, then it just turned into uh, a cop looking for... He was just... It's a whole, it's a whole thing. Uh-huh. That's a different topic. Yeah. yeah um, no, no, I get but, it. I get it. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah, a couple of times I've got, like when I was first starting foraging and I was unaware of, of boundaries and laws, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily, I wasn't like poaching the woods or anything like that. Uh, it was just, I was picking in places. Uh, the, one particular time we thought we were picking in a residential area and it turned out to be 
the Indiana Dunes National Lakeshore, oh, which wow. we we oh, knew no. we were by, but we didn't know we were in. You hadn't crossed um, the line, yes. And uh, but that was that was it was like a three hundred dollar fine. It was like they're like, okay, honest mistake, don't do it again. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. So and then there was another time I was picking mushrooms, and the officer was harassing me about it, and I in and, and I had had gotten a ticket previously, and in court. Uh, the the statute didn't mention any, anything about mushrooms or fungus, um, which would indicate that that wasn't part of the law. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go to court with a lawyer, and he was like, "That mushrooms aren't included in the this. law." Said plants, presumably. Correct. Yeah. Plants, Not... uh, plant, plants, rocks, sticks, yeah. branches, leaves. No mention of fungus. So the, the judge was like, "You're right." So the same officer saw me picking mushrooms again, <laughs> and uh, that's when he put me in handcuffs because I had a machete in my car. Which I voluntarily told him about, but um, wow. and he he considered that a a, a well, deadly he, he, a deadly weapon and this that and the other thing. But it was really, I mean, it's an, it's like having a chainsaw in your car. It's an agricultural tool. It's really, um, but uh, long story short, I got off on that one too because. Well, he was looking for a reason to right. He was because he was mad about the first. He was just ticket. Being, yeah, uh, uh, and and uh, before I uh, I get back to Dan protests here, uh, very quickly, how did you? Okay, couple of things we said. Don't pick. Uh, from uh, forest preserves and uh, state parks and national parks and that sort of thing. Don't do that. The other thing is, don't pick mushrooms unless you know what you're doing. Oh, yes, of yes. course. I mean, um, folks do know that, but I'm, I saw a story a couple of months ago about uh, a certain mushroom that's being picked and is killing people all over the place, and I, I'd have to find it. And it probably just, the it green, just... greensward uh, lepiota, probably. It's, okay. a, it's, a, it's one of the... It's the most common um, mushroom that poisons people in the United States. It's you probably see them. They come up on on front lawns. They're like dinner plate size, giant mushrooms, mm-hmm. um, and they grow in fairy rings. And uh, people pick those thinking that they're a uh, a parasol mushroom, and they're not. And uh, yeah, a yeah. lot of people not good. make themselves either very sick or die from them. Um, but yes, mushrooms. Uh, there are plenty of. Uh, what I call idiot-proof mushrooms. Um, you want to start, if you're going to start mushroom hunting, start with the polypore mushrooms. Polypore mushrooms are like the shelf mushrooms. They don't have gills on the bottom. They have pores instead. Mm-hmm. These are the kinds that you see growing on trees and things yeah. like that. Um, now, these uh, these mushrooms, there's only two polypore mushrooms in the world that are toxic, and they're both hard as a rock, so it's not something you would ever try to eat. Um, but chicken of the woods mm-hmm. and hen of the woods. Ooh, those are good. Um, oh, yeah. Those are mushrooms that you can't you can't really screw them up with anything. And even if you did, you're not. It's going to be something that's also edible or non toxic. Um, so that's a good place to start. And that's There's a fall a, mushroom. Yeah. Um, both of the well, late summer yeah. for the chicken of the woods. Although they can grow in spring too, and uh, and yeah, and fall for the the hen of the woods. Which takes us very briefly to my other question, which is how do you decide uh, an area to forage in? Um, so in Chicagoland, it's tough because a lot of the natural area is in fact um, forest preserve, mm-hmm. and as we have established, Cook County forest preserves you cannot pick anything in the Cook County forest preserves. So um, there are. When it comes to mushrooms, you either have to find private land, kind of those margins between, uh, you know, between private land. Like, um, for instance, I'm not not that I'm telling anyone to go forage there, but if you think of the north suburbs and you go through, like, go up Sheridan Road and there's a, those ravines on mm-hmm. the side of the road, like, 
you can find a lot of places out there that are like these sort of ravines like that are next to a park or next to a, a, a development or whatever that are kind of in this no man's land. They're not they're, really they're, they're not, city owned, but they're not. Yeah, they're city owned. They're not. Or, yeah. And they're not like preserved. So like, like there's places like that kind of like these margins in between things. Um, I've even gone to like Fort Sheridan, like mm-hmm. where they've turned the old uh, yeah. Navy base into or into a. Uh, you know, a housing development, basically. Well, and Open Lands Lakeshore Preserve is up there as well. Yeah, and you can you can you can literally walk around the you know the park there and find mushrooms growing in the park. You can find them growing in cemeteries. You can find them growing on people's front lawns. Like there's all kinds of places you can find mm-hmm. stuff in in the margins, kind of skirting around private and public lands that are kind of in these in between areas. Yeah. Like you can go to a, a public park. Um, here in the city of Chicago, and you can walk along like a river trail, and you can pick mulberries as you go. I will add, um, Chicago Park District is also off limits. Yeah, yeah. P- the, the park district does not want you obviously uprooting plants, but I th- I'm pretty sure they're not going to have a problem with you eating mulberries. Yeah, I know this walk. because I've tried to film stories before about foraging, and it's hard to get permission to film just about anywhere. Yeah, I oh, think really? the last okay. time I did it, we were in an, an Evanston City Park. Let us go. I don't know if there were there were probably some restrictions. Yeah. But. All right, and I did find that story. Believe it or hmm. not, uh, it uh, was in the Atlantic um, in uh, February first. Here's the headline. Death cap mushrooms are spreading across North America. Sub, subheading is, there's nothing in the taste that tells you what you are eating is about to kill you. And yeah. I actually, I, I, I discussed this with an emergency room doctor at mm-hmm. Cook County Hospital, and he said he sees a lot of immigrants coming from Eastern Europe in particular, coming to the U.S. who don't know the local mushrooms, and maybe it looks like something they saw in Poland or the Czech Republic. They look very similar. Yeah. Some, yeah. some like world-famous foragers have have died that way yeah. by going to an area they are not familiar with, finding something that they think is something from back home, and it's not. All so right. I was going to ask, <laughs> moving away from mushrooms, what are typical things that you would be finding? You You cover... In, in the um, in urban nature, in the segment, uh, flowers and leaves and what yeah, was but... so fun for me about going out with Dave is that we were not in um, these beautiful natural areas that mm-hmm. we're talking about. A lot of that was in Logan Square in some pretty dingy alleys. It right. looked and like a... my alley. Yeah. That's where I, I live. I will <laughs> like everyone's alley. But y- what's amazing about it is that every single little crack in that alley had something growing in it that was edible. Not that it's advisable to find right. your dinner there. When we did the, when we did the, the segment, I took them to an uh, area at the edge of a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's like a restoration area right along the Chicago River where we we picked a few flowers and stuff like that um, for the segment. Like that isn't, and, and there's a... It's not where you usually go. It's not where I usually go. And I knew that there were gooseberry bushes there that somebody had planted along the uh, river side of the alley at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them had been removed because they did some construction over there. But I knew those those would be there and I wanted to show them on, the, on camera. And plus I hadn't harvested them in years. So I grabbed some, some of those for the segment. Um, but that's, like I said, that's not my normal kind of thing. When we did the walk through Logan Square, so I do these things called Eat the Neighborhood. Um, EatTheNeighborhood.com is my website, um, which you can check out. And I do foraging tours where people will meet at a restaurant. We will go walk around a couple block radius of the restaurant. And I guarantee I will show you 50 different things 
that grow in that neighborhood that are edible. Um, sidewalk cracks to trees on the sidewalk to people's front lawns to landscaping to the flower pot in front of the, yeah. the grocery store, whatever. Hey, guys, thanks for being in the studio with us. Dan Protest is the producer and writer of Urban Nature. To find out more and to view episodes, go to WTTW.com slash Urban Nature. And then there's Dave Odd. To learn more about Dave Odd and Odd Produce, go to EatTheNeighborhood.com. And until next time, go green or... Go green or go foraging. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.